Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Thank you for listening to the Griefcast. If you like the show, please do rate and review and subscribe subscribe it helps other people to find the show and if you have done all those things already thank you so much please reward yourself with your cake of choice um i would just go for a chocolate cake unless unless a fresh victoria sponge was available this week i'm talking to stand-up and writer ishan akbar ishan is a so you think you're funny finalist he sold out his debut edinburgh show last year and he also recently appeared on the now show on radio 4 Ishan came in to talk to me last year about his mother, who passed in 2014. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm joined today by stand-up comedian Ishan Akbar. Hello. Hi, Ishan. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Who are we remembering today? Uh, Today we're remembering my mum. Your mum. And when did your mum die? She passed away on the 16th of May 2014. Oh, so quite recently. Yeah, very recently. So you're coming up to... So you've just had three years. Just had three years. How was your three year? Was it a hard, easier, better, or not harder? It was an odd one because this... This year was my first time marking her passing uh, whilst preparing for my first ever Edinburgh show. Wow, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so May was kind of when I started having those anxiety dreams that people say comedians (laughs) Mm -hmm. tend to have uh, about Edinburgh, which it didn't dominate the month because as soon as May turns around, all I think about is my mother. Yeah. But nevertheless, it um, completely changed the tone of the way I remembered her. Oh, yeah. Uh, I found myself having, in my head, more anxious conversations with her. Oh, wow. Um, about Edinburgh. Yeah. And trying to unremember her disappointed face when I <laughs> chose she, to become a comedian. Was she supportive of your... Because you, you became a comedian a bit late, I think, in, in terms of you had a career before this, yes. rather than, you know, yeah, saying yeah. myself included. Yeah. When you, I always get amazed when I see, like, 17-year-olds, like, I'm going to do stand-up. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you know that's what you want, want to, to do? do? Yeah. So was she supportive of your choice of comedy? She was. So I started comedy two months before she passed. 
Wow. It was just two months. And it was just an open mic hobby, basically, at the time. And my mum saw me kind of just pick up quite a few open mic gigs. And at yeah. that point, it wasn't amounting to anything necessarily. I hadn't even considered that I'd become a professional comedian anytime soon. Um, so when she passed, actually, my mum's passing and my career in comedy pretty much go hand in hand. Um, and I pushed, started pushing a career in comedy because my mum passed. So did you feel like it gave you a kind of, we've talked about this before on the podcast, a, a, a kind of a drive appeared of like, I feel like life is short or I want to make her proud. What was it that kind of suddenly made you go, right, I'm, I'm going to do this? I think the life is short bit played a part mm. um, insofar as when, so as you mentioned, I had a previous career. I worked in banking. I worked in local government. And at the time, um, I was working uh, in banking again. And when she passed, there was that bit of saying, oh, life's really, really short and unpredictable. Mm. But my first gig was two weeks after she passed away. And that was in the same room and venue and competition that my mum saw me do comedy the one and only time she saw me. Oh. To be honest, in terms of my having a career in comedy, it's, in, it's entirely been because of some, it's going to sound really weird saying this, but signs that I felt I received. I hear you. Yeah? I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And so that first gig, was, like I said, same room, same venue, same competition. It was called The Golden Jester. Um, it was a quarterfinal in London Bridge in Belushi's. Oh, yeah, I know Belushi's, yeah. And uh, downstairs. And um, I, I remember going to my dad and brother two weeks after saying, shall we, do you want to go to a gig? And, I mean, and my dad was like, you do you do know what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah that's but... That's why I want to be cheered uh, up. Yeah, I don't know what else to do. Like, uh, And uh, we, we just went. And I remember thinking I saw my mum in the audience when I went on stage. Wow stumbling over my first couple of words but plowing on through and then I got into the final of the competition. So you felt, I guess it's like a journey began that she saw. Did you kind of feel like you wanted to finish it in a way? Like even yeah. though she wasn't there to see it physically? Kind of. Um, and I think as I reflect on my three years and I carry on going, I speak to my, my other friends about this. I know full work because I lived with my mum, my mum, dad and brother. We all lived together. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly close to my mum. Yeah. Um, so much so two years ago before she passed, two years before she passed, I started writing a novel about her life because she's had a really interesting life. Wow. So my mum and I were very, very close. And I know that had I wanted to pursue a career in comedy, she would have found that quite difficult in, yeah. in truth because I would have spent a number of evenings away. I would have gone, you know, she... It wouldn't have been easy for her. Mm. And in a weird way, her passing for me feels like her giving me her blessing to say, okay, this is something you want to do. Yeah. If I was here, I would have chewed your ear off about it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have enjoyed you being away like that. Mm. Uh, I'm not comfortable with those kind of things um, for reasons you know, and perhaps we'll, we'll explore in the podcast later. Um, and so I take that as my kind of reasoning to do it, Yeah. I guess. That's really interesting. I think... A lot of people have that with career sounds like the wrong the wrong word in a way. Like career's too narrow, isn't it? It's like your life passion after someone dies. Mm -hmm. I think it does kind of narrow everything down slightly and you go, Okay, I kind of know what I need to do. Yeah. Because I've been shown life in its most harshest close up view. Yeah. So and, and the harshest close up view is completely right. I remember my so I did the Say You Think You're Funny semi final in August. So it's, it was three months after my mum's passing, and it was a few days before my 30th birthday. Wow. So emotionally, it was just a massive emotional overload. Yeah. And uh, it was my dad, myself, my brother, my brother's best friend. We were driving up to Edinburgh, and I basically spent the whole journey crying. Oh. Saying, I miss my mummy, I miss my mummy. And I got to um, Edinburgh, and then I started thinking about the gig, and it was the biggest gig I'd ever, I'd ever done at that point. It was my 28th gig. Wow. So your 28th gig is at the Gilded Balloon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god! In yeah. the main debating hall, and four hundred people, and you're thinking, I've only ever done open mic gigs. Yeah. So I was crying, and Rob, um, my brother's best friend, said to me, "This isn't even the biggest gig you've done this year." And I said, "I don't understand what you mean." And he said, "The biggest gig you've done this year was when you were stood next to your brother inside your mother's grave, and they lowered her body into your arms, and there were five hundred people there, and you had to climb out and see all these people." And that completely changed the game. I don't even know if Rob knows this, how yeah. much of an impact that, that statement had on me. Because when he made me remember that that's what I did with my brother, who's 10 years younger than me, he was 19 at the time, um, 
kind of people not laughing at your jokes becomes irrelevant. Yeah. So you can enjoy being in the moment a lot more. And it absolutely helped to making me a better comedian. I mean, it's it's that really hard thing because as part of you, as a comedian, I think it's like, oh, this, this really does help with comedy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, absolutely. It really does. Because you suddenly go... Well, none of it matters. None, yeah. of, none of this shit matters. No. Because I know what does matter. And yeah. I've seen death, like we said, really up close. And it does make you go, oh, that's what matters. Yeah. That, you know, that. So what happened to your mum? How did she pass away? So it was a complete shocker. Oh, really? Um. So the story goes as is. Sunday, 11th of May, in the morning, my mum and I decided we'd go to Costco. Classic, Classic Sunday. Classic Sunday behaviour. Excellent. Um, we watched a juicer exhibition. <laughs> which, I love those things. Yeah, they're great. It's it was so good. really good. Yeah. And uh, we were driving back, and I do distinctly recall on the drive back thinking to myself, Mum and I have not had a single argument on this journey. This is weird, right? Uh, then my mum, my brother, and I went to uh, have a pub lunch. We came back from the pub lunch, and my mum said, Oh, you know, I'm, I've got a bit of a back pain, lower back pain. And I said, oh, mum, just have a rest. Um, it's because we've been walking around Costco all day. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I had a meeting at the BBC with a friend of mine, who, and we were, we were about to start up an open mic comedy night, basically. Right. My mum got taken to hospital. Nothing serious. She had quite a bit of back pain, and it transpired that she had a, a minor kidney infection. Mm. I went to work the next morning, called her. She was in hospital. She said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just going to get a change of clothes. Your brother's doing a change of clothes. Everything will be good. And that was at 10 in the morning. 11 o'clock, she called my brother, and at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, my dad called me crying, saying, I've just had to give your mum CPR in the hospital, and I have no idea why. Oh, my God. So the doctors then said, we've had to put her into an induced coma. Uh, we think she's had a silent heart attack and then a cardiac arrest, but actually we don't know what caused oh, it. Oh, my God. Um, and then by the Friday of that week, they said her brainstem had broken because the cardiac arrest was so severe. <gasps> And then that Sunday after, we buried her. Oh, my God. One week. Shit. Complete Is chaos. Is all I can say to you? Yeah. Ishan, bloody hell. Complete chaos. So, okay. So, <laughs> let's back up. Okay. So, what did they tell you what had happened? Did, so, she had, had, the heart attack was just so massive. It, is that why she yeah, died? But basically, and, well, the, the death certificate um, said... A septicemia of the of the blood, right? Okay. Uh, which, as a result of, um, I mean, they were they were doing dialysis, giving her dialysis, and they stabilised her by the Tuesday. Mm. But on the Wednesday, Thursday, just her organs just started failing, mm. and the doctors weren't entirely clear. Mm. They, they didn't really understand what was going on. Um, which is hard as well, because I think it's only when you've had someone close to you die that you realise. Often doctors just don't know. Yeah, they don't. You get up close and you're like, oh, I thought you fixed things. And yeah, they yeah, just yeah, sometimes absolutely. haven't got a clue why they don't. something's happening. And, and also, you know, doctors... I, I recently watched um, Adam Kay at the Soho Theatre. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a very powerful show. And actually, doctors... I, I've, have you read um, Atul Gawande's Being Mortal? I haven't, no. Um, so Atul Gawande's Being Mortal, he also explores the same thing. Doctors are grossly unprepared for death. Yes, yeah, I can Do you know imagine. what I mean? Because, because they're trained to avoid that happening. Yeah, they're trained to save life. That's save it. life. Life, That's life, it. life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when death occurs, more often than not, it becomes numbers. My dad's a paramedic, you know, they, they become numbers. But when a death occurs that's so unexpected as it was with my mother, they don't quite know how to process it. I mean, yeah. on the Friday afternoon, as people were coming in to pay their respects in the hospital, my friend's family... The consultant took me into a room and just broke down in tears. Wow. With his junior doctor saying, we've not seen this kind of outpouring of love for someone. We don't... I wish we could have done more. Oh. Um, so it was a very... It, it's a week that, especially in May, I play through my head yeah, every day. Um, and sometimes I'll get weeks where I just feel like I'm repeating the week again mm. and what happened and what I was doing. And every single day from that week, is very, very vivid and clear in my mind. Well, and also, I, having read a tiny bit on this sort of thing, like that is how you deal with shock. You yeah. keep replaying it because yeah. your body is in shock. Because yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make sense that someone is alive and then not there so quickly. Yeah. So your brain has to keep going, what? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to keep replaying so that your brain eventually goes, oh, okay. Yeah. 
I guess that happened because yeah, yeah that is so. So your dad's a paramedic. Yeah. So that's why he administered. Because I was like, wow, how did he know CPR? <laughs> yeah. So so and his all the you know signs. We're talking about signs. My yeah. my dad, I can't remember my dad taking a day off. And that particular Monday, I mean, my mum had been admitted to hospital before. She was a diabetic and she was a bit loose. She played it fast and loose with her health in truth. Right, yeah. But nevertheless, we weren't unaccustomed to her going to hospital. So. Right. But that particular Monday, I didn't even know my dad was off. Wow. I thought he was at work. Yeah. And when he called me from the hospital saying, I've just, I was next to your mum and I gave her CPR. And he brought her back after three rounds. Oh, my God. And of course, the doctors had to kind of chuck him out yeah, and say you yeah. can't treat your own family members but <laughs> yeah, this is this is not normal <laughs> this is not normal so um, that's the long answer the short answer was basically she had a, cardi- a silent heart attack and a cardiac arrest led to septicemia of the blood and she passed away but that kind of masks the unprecedented unexpected nature of what happened um, when some we talked, get, talked about this a lot but when someone has cancer mm. There's obviously the word which prepares everybody. They have cancer, they're ill, they're even, and even, as I say, every time my dad was diagnosed in February, dead by the April, so it's quick, but we all mm. knew, okay, there's an illness, but I think something like heart attack, it, it is so shocking because, yeah. like you said, they're not ill with capital letters. They're like, oh, yeah. something's wrong, or oh, they're having this, they'll get some antibiotics, yeah. they'll be home. Yeah, yeah, know, absolutely. Around the, around a similar time, about a year later, another comedian friend of mine, his mother passed away with, with cancer. And in a sense, it was quite fortuitous for both of us because we were able to talk to each other about yeah. it. And he did say to me very much the same thing, which is with his mother, when she was diagnosed, um, they had time to prepare. Mm-hmm. And actually, she ended up living longer than the, yeah. the, the prognosis was. And he just says, you know, I don't know how I'd process losing my mum the way you did. Yeah. And... By the same token, I sometimes think to myself, if I'd known were there conversations I could have had with mm. my mum and prepared, would I prefer? The truth is, Karen, I don't know. You don't. You can't you, you know, say, I don't. yeah. I've no idea. And I think, oh, <laughs> neither is good. Yeah. But if you get a long, if there's a long time where you know, yes, you can have conversations, but you have to watch someone be very sick. Mm. And if it's quick, that's what I, the people who are, had the long experience say to me, oh, but I had to watch this pain. And the quick people are like, yeah, but you've got chats. Yes, <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I don't think either is particularly, you don't want, you don't want either really. But yeah. Um, yeah, in a way, you don't have to see someone suffer in pain. But yeah, you don't get those... Those last conversations, you think, oh, I wish I'd, I just, that yeah. one thought, I didn't kind of finish that conversation. Yeah, yeah it's and that's tough. a very interesting point about not seeing someone sick and frail. My mum was my mom was 54 mm. when she passed. And my brother, he always reflects that the thing that he's grateful for, if you can be yeah, in such a situation, yeah. is that neither of us will know mum to be massively sick. Yeah. But also, we won't remember her being old. That's very you know? true. I've never uh, thought about that, yeah. And, you know, we'll always remember her youthful face and mm. her 54 year old face and that gives us a lot of solace actually and yeah. you know, I'd, man alive I'd, I mean I'd love to have my mum around forever mm. and uh, when I think about one day having kids the fact that she you know she would have been such a wonderful grandmother yeah. I, I think about that often but at the same time in terms of maybe her legacy is going to be stronger because I'll be telling if I ever have kids one day Hint, hint. Anyone out there? Um, uh, that they'll 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 know this this woman through through my by my brother yeah. and I, the stories they hear, and sometimes that makes someone. It's really hard. Them. I mean, I've just had a baby, and so my mum, thank God, is still around. Yeah. But yeah, I often think the grandpa he would have been oh, makes me want to. Yeah. Because I know he would have been a really good grandpa. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a difficult dad, but he would have been really good at that. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah, he would yeah have absolutely. Been. And so it is—it's really hard. And I think all you can do is, yeah, is tell the stories and show the photos and make them alive as much as as yeah. much as you can, and know that the way they parented you will make you a good parent. That's, absolutely. That's all you can. That's take. the thing. I mean, your parenting style will inevitably be influenced. Yeah, of course. Oh, massively. You Massive. hear yourself, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I just turning into that. the yeah, yeah. Um, and you know my first show I talk a bit about my mum and yeah. how much my mum was you know a Thatcherite wow. a strict disciplinarian wow. uh, fierce as you know incredibly fierce but 
her, the way she loved was just over the top. Yeah. It was just, you know, over the top levels of affection. So her discipline and her love was both really extreme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know that that will inev- absolutely reflect in the way that I yeah. parent should oh, that definitely. opportunity arise. So you said you had the funeral on the Sunday. Sunday, the 18th, yeah. Um, what religion are you, if you don't mind me asking? So uh, our family are, are Muslim. Right, okay, yes. Because I was thinking that's a quick funeral. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Muslim and Judaism, is it, you have to be within 48 hours, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Judaism and Islam is just as quick as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I've never actually spoken to someone who has had that quick funeral. I think our funeral was maybe like two, maybe like two or three weeks. I'm right. obviously, okay. But I, I wonder how it is to have something so quick that you're, you know, she's you're, she's in a hospital, and then the next minute, like you said, you're you're dropping her, yeah. You're carrying her body into the ground, yeah. Like, or is it is that something more that you're used to the having funerals that quick? So it didn't feel. I've like... so this was my first experience of a funeral. Really? My, oh yeah. My, wow, my, yeah. that's <laughs> bless yeah. you. My first experience of a funeral, and um, it was. When I reflect back on it, the organisation of the funeral and everything happening, my dad, bless him, he, um, and I, I guess we'll talk about this in a minute. You, you, when you have such a dominating figure as my mother was, right, you kind of forget how great the other person is in that relationship. Yeah, uh, and my dad has since, and at the time, showed tremendous strength in the way he's dealt with everything. But mm. in terms of organising the funeral, people rallied round, and she's buried about a seven minute drive from my house. Wow. And it it was frenetic, but it seemed calm. Mm. Um, frenetic in, in the pace at which things were happening, but calm in the way in we the way in which they were happening. Yeah. So it was my first experience of a funeral and um, we announced it on the Saturday morning. I remember I, I set up kind of a, a WordPress tribute page to my mum, announced it on there, announced it on Facebook and uh, something useful Facebook did that day. Um, <laughs> and um, we had about 575 people turn up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they wow. ran They ran out of space in the mosque that's in, inside um, the, the the cemetery. Wow. People were praying basically in the car park. Um, oh, my God. And it was the most amazing day yeah uh, actually I like it was my second it was my second funeral actually because my, the first funeral I kind of wiped from my mind was of my mum's best friend's son who oh. passed away the year before at age 22 and that was a horrible experience yeah. it was not because he was 22 it was it was in the East London Mosque and they had like eight funerals in the same time wow. all the bodies were in a viewing gallery it was frenetic people who didn't know the deceased were looking at the bodies it was just and now I just remembered it now that I'm talking about yeah. it and in a sense I was going into the funeral thinking I hope it's not going to be like that and it yeah. just wasn't it was on a Sunday we were the only people there well I say only people 500 <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, you know I'm not, I'm not really a practicing Muslim anymore right? Um, and I was just following the lead of people who knew better than I did yeah. as, to, as to what's required I think a lot of our generation, you go and you're yeah. like, what am I supposed to do? do whatever. <laughs> like, what's happening? Yeah, and I gave it, you know, from from the, the the what my parents did teach me, what little I did know, I said prayers, uh, mm. Arabic prayers, Muslim prayers, as best as I knew them, and all of a sudden, my brother and I were beckoned to climb down into mum's grave. Yeah, you said so. Yeah. I, yeah, so you have to climb into the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way it works wow. in Islam is. You are literally put to rest, laid to rest yeah. by, in the case of a woman, someone they're unable to marry. Okay. Um, and in this case, obviously, it's her children. Yeah. It's her sons. Uh, and it's only men that can, can go through this process. So my brother and I, who aren't the thinnest boys <laughs> on the planet, um, <laughs> found ourselves climbing down a ladder. Oh, into, my God. Were you like, what? Yeah. And it's weird when I think about it. I had... You know, ninety-eight percent of my anxiety was about me having to bury my mum. Yeah. But two percent of it was, will I fit? Like, will <laughs> we? Will we fit in this? Oh, right? bless you. Um, which is an odd anxiety to have. I mean, that is. But it's these thickly practical things yeah. occur to you, like, oh, yeah. It's like we've talked about with the Mac twins when when. I and the Mac Twins both had this thing. They're like, oh my God, what am I going to wear? Yeah, yeah. Like these things. It's time to go, I don't have anything nice that's yeah, black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So I completely understand that's like, am I going to fit in that? Yeah. Wow. So you're climbing down the ladder into the. So, so you climb down the ladder and 
I went to the side where eventually her head and shoulders would be laid to rest right. and my brother was on the other side. And I kind of looked up and my mum was in this burial shroud and we kind of just put our arms out and I remember carrying her. You know, I could, yeah. I could hold my mum. That's really beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Yeah. And actually, it, it brought me closer to God, not necessarily to Islam, but it mm. absolutely brought me closer to God because... I couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to not only feel my mum's final resting place, to know what it felt like, you know, under yeah. my bare feet, the sand, it felt like Bali. It was just yeah. amazing, cool, soft, and it felt right that that's where she'd be. Yeah. And I remember, I didn't even have to particularly convince myself that this was um, the right thing to happen, mm. even though it was a woman who I absolutely loved unconditionally. So when they gave, uh, lowered my mum's body into my and my brother's arms, my brother had her legs, I had her head and shoulders. Um, the next thing was to kind of lower her. Yeah. And I'd struggled because <laughs> it is very narrow. Yeah, I was going to say, this, it, is, this is like, it's a really beautiful idea, but it's tricky. I'm yeah, thinking it's very is, tricky. It's tricky to carry out. And so we somehow managed it. Yeah. And, you know, my forehead had the other side of her grave completely implanted over the wow. top of my brain. Uh, and what you have to do in Islam is once you've laid them, their faces are turned to to face Mecca. Right. On their on the right hand side. So you, you kind of lay to rest on your right. But my fear is is that not only is my mum facing Mecca, but she's also facing an imprint of my buttocks. <laughs> uh, and that is something that haunts me. And I think to myself, I, I really hope my mum is not looking at my ass. <laughs> that is not something I wanted to happen. As a mum, to be honest, she probably wouldn't mind. Honestly. Yeah, probably wouldn't mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, that's something you've seen all, her whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's been part of her world. I know. That's kind of lovely. I, I, maybe. I don't. She's probably looking just past the bum yeah, to Mecca. Okay, right. Okay. So just we'll, yeah. We'll ignore that. that yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember because I climbed back out, and when I took my the the, the, the tunic off that I that I wore, it was the unmistakable imprint <laughs> on the back. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of think to yourself, oh. I can't believe I've done this, but okay. Well, you can't, you can't go back in. Okay? I, I just need to smooth over. Can you smooth over that bit, please? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but in a way, I think that's really nice because there is a part of you that's down there with her. There's a part yeah. of your memory, your print is there. Yeah. There's something, you know, of course it's your bum, you're a comedian. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. Of course. What there's else something would it be? really nice about that. Of like, uh, It is, absolutely. But at the same time, it, you know, I am a, a London-born yeah. British Asian guy yeah. who had a very Asian upbringing and also a very English upbringing and actually th this going through this experience was something I just never imagined I'd be doing Yeah, and I d honestly I didn't know how it worked but yeah. which I think I mean is not uncommon there were three moments where I got to, to hold my mum the first was when before uh, someone is uh, buried in Islam they're <laughs> given uh, a ceremonial bath right yeah so my brother, my, my half-brother, we had to lift her body out of a coffin. And uh, she was bathed by, by, by women. Then we carried the coffin itself to the site of her grave. Right. And that was all the men. Mm. So my dad and her, his brothers and everything else. And then the final bit was me and my brother wow. inside the grave. So we had three opportunities. And in a sense, just... Those three steps, there's something, you're absolutely right, there's so much solace in knowing I was there every single step of the way. From yeah. Getting her prepared for her burial, carrying her to her final resting place and actually doing it. Yeah. Um, and no one can ever take that away from me. No, and it must, in a way, I would wonder if it helps with the grieving process because it's very... You're gonna to have to really accept what's happening to you. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's really yeah. like you can't be like, oh, they've just gone away. They're in a box. I haven't really seen them. Yeah. It's like, no, I held her. I saw that. I yeah. felt that. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of again, it's this thing with traditions. You go, oh, I see why someone thought that was a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, as you well know, the comedy fraternity that there was lots of you know rampant atheists who were very dismissive yeah. of religion, and that's absolutely fine. You know, mm. I, I myself don't practice religion anymore whatsoever. But like I said earlier, you know, it brought me closer to the idea of a god. Yeah. Um, because that's just what made me feel comfortable. And yeah. when you, you're right. You know, when you experience these things, you can see why billions of people oh, god, yeah. find peace. Yeah. In, in, and Birth, death, and marriages 
are three moments where you really see religion come into its own. Yeah, it, it does pretty well in those moments. You know, really, it really <laughs> yeah, does. And that's when you're like, well, actually, they kind of got yeah. it right. You know, the, 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 the cemetery that my mum's buried in, every single grave looks exactly the same. Right. They have the same tombstone. The <laughs> mound is exactly the same because in Islam, they say in death, we're all equal. Right, wow. Um, so you can't tell who's wealthy, you don't know who's famous, you don't yeah. know. And you walk through the graveyard, there's colonels, there, sergeants, there, MBEs, OBEs, my mum, you know. And they're all together, but no one knows. Yeah. Uh, and that's also really nice. That I is find, nice. I find a lot of peace going there because you're like, well, and they're just mounds of earth. Yeah. They, you know, there's no uh, grandeur, nothing. It's just mounds of earth with a tombstone, which says when they're born or something. Do like. you? I mean, you said it was seven minutes drive. Do you visit the grave a lot? Yeah, so I try and go every single week. Right. I wow. try and go once a week, and every week the experience is different. Yeah. Um, I can't say that over the years it's got easier. Mm. It's just every week is different. Some some weeks, I won't necessarily feel anything. Actually, I know I'm be praying, but I'm thinking about oh, I need to go to Tesco pick this up. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And other weeks it will just be me crying for about a good ten minutes. Yeah. And they're going, right, I need to go home now because I can cry more. I think that's really interesting because I think grief, that is the thing with grief, is that it is just different all the time. It, the yeah. sadness gets easier to manage. But I think the only reason because of that is because you know that it will fade. Whereas at the beginning, you're like, I'll never feel happy again. Yeah. Whereas as it goes on, you're like, oh, I, no, I, I felt happy, so I know it will come back. So it yeah. just gets a bit easier. But, the, but it's so interesting that because you have to do that, because you're choosing to do that on such a, like, okay, a weekly thing, you are very aware of how your grief is changing and progressing. Yeah. Whereas I think because I... Yeah, we didn't have... He was cremated, then my mum kept his ashes in the wardrobe for, like, 15 years because she didn't know what to do with them. Right. <laughs> and then eventually we spread them. So there's not, like, a place, I feel, that I would go to. Right. So my grief is very, like... I wouldn't be able to sort of... Um, what's the word? Sort of register it as much as being like, oh, yeah, this week was hard or this week. It's just... I yeah. sort of go, oh, yeah, today I was feeling... Or oh, actually, maybe the past three weeks have been bad. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's kind of must be nice that you have this, like, a, mo a check-in moment every week. Yeah. You're like, how am I feeling? Oh, I know. Yeah, in a sense, and I, you know, I kind of do it without realizing I'm doing it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the cemetery gives me the graveyard gives me an opportunity to pr not only process my grief but leave it there. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I go through the gates and I don't know what I'm feeling. I go to the grave, feel what I feel. It's done, and then I go out and carry on about. Do my you day. go by yourself or your family, or do they go separately? Again, it depends. Yeah, it it yeah. depends on who's available, who's around, who's yeah. doing what. You know, my dad is paramedic. He has different shifts, and he can't always go my brother when he's around so um and again i don't know when i prefer i know there are some days where i absolutely prefer my brother to be there with me yeah but i don't really have a preference um but it's changed you know the the first so in, in islam there's a 40-day mourning period they say so right. in the 40 days what they say is after someone's deceased the angels are kind of doing admin they're kind of getting stuff together <laughs> preparing preparing enough. we all know it takes a lot of organization yeah, yeah you've got to go through all the good stuff bad stuff yeah. they've done and they go to the deceased and they're like right this is what happens at your day of judgment this what the interview is really you know quite an intense process so i remember during those 40 days of course i'd go every day but there were some days where i'd go in the morning and just sit there till the evening mm. just in front of her grave not doing anything just staring wow and trying to work out you know and people from the graveyard who have clearly seen this before yeah. would come give me water and not say a word and lead me to it wow and you know so it, it's of course it's changed from that but yeah it's uh it, it is nice in many respects it is very very nice the situation i have there's a strong infrastructure i feel for dealing with a death that's what i, I i'm getting yeah. from this from what you're saying um there's a yeah there's a strong infrastructure of people who have dealt with death understand it this is what we do, this is how we get through it. Which yes. I think, the reason I think it's interesting is after immediately after death, it's so chaos, you know, Ooh. and you do just feel like, I mean, yeah, I remember like, I didn't know what day it was, I didn't know if I was eaten, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So I imagine to have that sort of, and again, it's, my mum used to say this, that, um, you know, in the olden days, yeah. when her granny died, they had a mourning period and they would wear black armbands right. to school and that's what like the kids, did. did right and so then everyone in the you know school and the town knew you were mourning and would be like oh fair play they might be a bit sad and of course you know we don't acknowledge it in that same way there's not a time period it's very amorphous it's very like oh well who knows yeah. but I imagine to have that 40 days 
I mean, it might be restrictive. It might be, I wonder if it's like, okay, well, you've had your 40 days now. Come on, move yeah. on. But in a way, it's like you go, okay, well, at least I know for this what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> I know what yeah. I'm doing for 40 days. I'm yeah. just going to be really sad. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, there are certain verses in the Quran and certain verses in, in the Hadith, which is kind of, the Hadith is the um, uh, the life and times of the Prophet Muhammad, mm. um, which goes alongside the Quran. So uh, they do say that after 40 days, technically you're not really, quote unquote, allowed right. to weep. Wow. By the grave, because you are not giving the deceased peace. God, that's so interesting. Right? <laughs> because for one hand, I'm like, oh, that's quite, it's quite helpful because it's what, where that's coming from, obviously, is like, don't get lost in your grief, move yeah. on. But on yeah. another hand, it must be quite annoying if you're like, I'm still crying after 40 days, yeah, don't yeah. make me feel bad. Bad about it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, of course you're going to cry. Don't do a classic religion guilt move, yeah. right? Yeah. And they say, you know, you shouldn't be weeping. Um, you know, you want to give the deceased peace. But that, but because they frame it that way. Yeah. You kind of a bit like, okay, I've got to try because you believe that the disease has an afterlife yeah. and they're going and... And I mean, I guess what there's really where it's coming from is not healthy to keep going to the grave, like yeah. every day. Yeah. So it's coming from a very practical point of view yeah, that yeah. they've made it classic religion. Yeah. They've made a rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you feel after 40 days? Did you feel like, I actually still feel terrible and I don't feel ready to move on or... I felt numb. Mm, I'm not surprised after such a shocker. Yeah. Like, I, I felt numb. And even to this day, to be honest, I don't look at any pictures of my mum. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, are there pictures in the house? Have you there, just there are pictures in the house. And you just sort of avoid them, yeah. can yeah. I avoid them. Um, about a month before she passed, my dad had a brainwave where he wanted to, he bought this heart-shaped, massive heart-shaped photo frame, <laughs> which had like, so I've got about 12 different Oh, yeah, yeah. Places where you can put... And he just put them pictures in of wow. mum. Mainly of mum, actually. Wow. Apropos of nothing. He was just like, oh, I'm bored, I will do this. And that's in our main kind of communal living room, which makes it sound like I have a massive estate and I don't. <laughs> it's a three-bed semi in, in Tadwell Heath. But um, the communal living room, and uh, I just don't make any eye contact with it. Yeah. Um, so, in truth, after the 40 days, it's numb. Mm. And actually, even now, probably there's just a numbness. Have you had counselling? Have you spoken to anyone? No. So this is this is where uh, there's a bit of an issue. There's a, there's a bit of an issue coming. <laughs> <out here>. um, <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so I immediately sent my dad and brother for counselling. Wow, you did the classic. Everyone else should go to counselling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, right, I hear, yeah, I hear, you yeah. guys need to go counselling. This needs to happen. Dad, you were married to this woman, you know, for thirty plus years. You've yeah. been through a lot together. And my brother, you know, you're 19 years old. You don't deserve this happening. Yeah. You're in the first year of uni. You need to Ooh. get get on top of this. I, on the other hand, was like, I've got comedy. You know, I don't need any of this. Classic and comedian. Classic. <laughs> Such a classic. I mean, I'm fine, guys. Yeah. Look, I'm laughing, so I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. And... Th- you know what? When 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 I reflect on things like that, I think to myself, "You are such a stereotype." Yeah. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Well, that's okay. That's yeah. why stereotypes exist. Yeah, exactly. You know? So um, I haven't done any counselling right, since. Yeah. Did I'm, they find it helpful? Did they sort of come back? Yeah, and say they it was did. Helpful? And yeah. what's been nice with my dad and brother is when they've stopped, when they feel like they're struggling, they themselves say, "Actually, I think I need to go back." Mm. And. A part of me knows that this is probably something I need to do. Yeah. Because I know full well that there's a part of me that's keeping my mum alive. Yeah. I got signed a year after starting comedy. I had some amazing gigs, amazing opportunities, things I never imagined I'd be doing. Whenever I hear the news, I pick up my phone and go to call my mum. Mm. And she's still listed in my favourites. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I still have that instantaneous reaction means I haven't quite processed something. Well, Maybe? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's a constant processing, really. And I think, I totally understand. You know, I totally understand. I mean, my my husband lost his mum four years ago and they were very close. And he still, yeah, still has that moment of like, oh, the first person I want to tell yeah. is my mum. Absolutely. He must have done when yeah. the baby arrived. Oh, yeah. baby and work, anything. Work, You're like, yeah. oh. And I think, yeah, it does... It takes such a long time for that not because of course you've spent your whole life going oh I'll just call my mum and tell oh I can't do yeah, it yeah yeah you yeah, know yeah. I'm I used to wake up all the time like after my dad died and be like oh I wonder if dad oh hang on I was yeah. dead like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so and your brain you think to yourself I mean how did you forget that like, absolutely what is wrong with you but your brain 
you know, of course you do. Yeah. It's, I think that's that's normal. But I think it's interesting. I didn't go for counselling um, when it first happened. And my mum and brother did. Right. And did you I, send them all? Without, I did. I, well, I was very, yeah, yeah you, you guys should go. That's yeah, a really good yeah. idea. <laughs> um, and equally, whenever I talk to anyone, I'm like, oh, you should go, you should go. But I only, I only went last year. I only went 18 years after he died. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that so gives me hope. Okay. You've got plenty of time. Right. Fine. You can go at any time. That's why I say to people, it's not going to, counseling won't disappear. Mm. You can go anytime. But I think what's interesting is if you go early, I think you go back and you have a support system. And I yeah. think that's the one problem with not not doing it. If you go when you're completely raw and you're just like, I just fucking need to talk to someone. Yeah. The next time you feel bad, you're like, oh, I know, I should go and talk to someone. That will help. Yeah. I think if you if you get through it by yourself, you sort of develop strange coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. comedy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, shit, I'm just, I'm dealing with it by myself, which, you know, sometimes is great, but sometimes I think it really does help just to have someone go, Do you, are you aware of what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think... If you want to go, it's there for you. I would probably wait till after your first celebration. <laughs> Get that out of the way. I might just need separate counselling just for that. Yeah, you will. Honest. You'll need one for the Edinburgh show and one for dealing with the passing of mum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Does your mum feature in your comedy a lot? Or Well, it's interesting. I About, mm, I'd say probably a year after she passed was the, was the first time I started talking about her death specifically. Wow. And comedy audiences did not laugh because <laughs> um, because they were trying to enjoy their Friday night yeah. right? so, I think it depends on the gig like if you're doing circuit it yeah. might be quite hard if you're yeah. doing like what I do which is like 10 people weird yeah. <laughs> like, then they're well up for it well up for that yeah. kind of stuff um, but in my Edinburgh show and this is one I found really interesting I, I, I do talk about my mum but not and this is where the interesting bit comes in when I listen back I mix between the tenses I was just going to ask you if you did that yeah so my mum is, my mum was, and mm. I don't actually mention that my mum's passed away. Well, That's not yeah. a huge part of my show. Yeah. Um, it's a, how my mum raised me is a huge part of my show. Right. So that's something I'm grappling with at the moment when I listen back to the recordings because I don't know which tense to refer to her in. Yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? Because if the show isn't particularly about her passing no then do you need to make a thing of it yeah but i tell you what's i'll definitely tell you that if someone has lost a parent they will notice i very much notice when people change and really I go, I, yeah like sometimes people go oh my brother is and i think your brother is why have you said that like he i know that he's dead kind of thing so i definitely i pick up on it a lot more right but right, then right. i think if you don't you wouldn't if you're not so tuned into like to that yeah i think you may be right yeah. so Maybe your audience, some of your audience might go, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 90% probably be like, oh, I didn't even know. But what was interesting is, so I, I, I did this in Bristol last week. I talk about my, both my parents yeah. in my show. And I talk about my dad as, my dad was this kind of guy, my dad was that kind of guy. And I found myself saying, by the way, my dad's not dead. It's just because I'm talking about how you raised me in the past. That's right, it. Right, yeah. Whereas my mum, I don't refer to it at all. Yeah. I don't refer to the was or the is. And that's something I'm, finding very difficult do you think you don't want to say to an audience oh my mum's dead by the way no yeah i don't want to and i don't know why i don't know if i don't know if a part of me is thinking because it's my debut show i don't want to be the dead mum guy yeah, i don't yeah. you know because i talk you know i've written big posts about my mum passing on facebook and the comedy fraternity certainly know that my mum's not around yeah, anymore yeah. um but that's something I'm absolutely grappling with at the moment, which is how I talk about my mother. Because it's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard because you're having to develop a new vocabulary. Yeah. And I think that is that is hard. Yeah. You know. And I think over the next few weeks, because it is weeks now until Edinburgh. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I, that's something I'm going to hopefully nail down. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tricky to know because I, I'm very happy and able to talk about my my mum not being around anymore mm. with anyone yeah, and I think yeah. I think it's very important to talk about these things we don't talk about death enough which is why I absolutely love this podcast so I'm very pleased that you're doing it um, but in terms of comedy performance unless you're in comedy mm. which you and I are yeah. and listeners who aren't you know crafting words which are true to your experience but also something you don't want to share yeah for Many reasons, both personal, professional, whatever it might be, 
It's such a tricky balance. Yeah, I completely understand. I mean, I would never have done this podcast when I started, like never yeah. in a million years. Like, yeah. So I was doing characters yeah. and my whole point was I don't want you to know anything about me. That's yeah. why I didn't do stand-up. Right, right, right. So I was... I am. Sorry, I am best friends with Sarah Pascoe. And she started doing stand-up and I would watch her and I was like, I thought what she was doing was amazing, but I was like, oh, I can't stand there and go, hi, I'm Cariad. Oh, my God, the thought of saying it. But when you go, oh, um, you know, oh, hi, I'm Joey and I'm this. It's like, oh, great. Literally, I'm so happy doing that. Playing a character. And I think I definitely was not comfortable with this huge thing that was a, was a huge part of me. I was like, I don't mm. want you to know. I just And I don't know, yeah, again, I'm not sure why. I just felt like it was mine and I wasn't ready to just have people know that. I felt like I was like, no, I don't want you to know that yet. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still definitely still processing it. And it's taken a long time to be able to go, hi, I'm Carrie and my dad is dead and this is what the show is about. Like, ugh, if I, yeah. I never would have done that. Done that, right, yeah. Ever. my God, no, no, no. It took a long time. I suppose also with comedy, you're finding your voice anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So then something as big as that, it's like, yeah, I can completely understand. It's it's a huge thing. But here's what's interesting. Listen to what you've just said. I When I, my, my first job at university, I, I worked in banking. I was on a banking graduate program. And we went to one of these wanky leadership retreats in, oh, yeah. in the Lake District <laughs> where we wanted to find out about ourselves. And I remember one of my colleagues, a girl called Amanda, we were doing this kind of feedback thing. And... In the graduate group, I was one of the more ebullient kind of loud members. (laughs) And her feedback to me was, I think you're like this because you'd rather be someone else than yourself. Mm. I was like, oh, Amanda, Amanda, that's pretty powerful (laughs) stuff. That's some deep stuff in the Lake District. Yeah, deep stuff in the Lake District. And also, we're working in banking. I don't need you to be that deep. We're just (laughs) trying to make money. Um, So when I reflect on that and what you've just said, on stage, I am basically me. Right, yeah. I am basically myself, and everything I say is true plus plus some comedic license. Yeah. Um, but that's the one bit which I'm not. I know I'm not being true to myself because yeah. my brain is still. And it's now that I think about it. Maybe this is why I need counselling. Really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> carry out, fly, fly, yeah, tag for counselling. Um, I yeah. I I know that I'm being myself completely but this one part of my vernacular mm. what I'm saying just isn't quite coming together yeah um and I don't know why but I'll well I do know why but I need to yeah but it it's out. hard I think it's hard it's hard because like you three years is really early it's yeah, you're still it's really yeah. raw in it because the first year is just chaos it's chaos, chaos. what yeah. the fuck happens in the first year second year you you sort of go oh okay I'm still here and you sort of get back to life a little bit yeah and third year people just don't know so like in terms of friends obviously yeah. people remember but it's very you yeah. know like they, they've talked to you about it they've done it they've had that conversation yeah. and you're expected you know almost like the 40 days like I think there's a three you know well come on you're probably going to get on with life now yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's still so raw it's still so huge you still have moments where you feel like your heart's going to crack open Yeah. so yeah of course when you're having to yeah it's interesting isn't it stand up is so much about being yourself turned up to and character is so much about hiding yourself and then mm. turning it up to. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I completely understand that that's a part of you that you're still grappling with and still yeah. getting your head around. So, yeah, it's, it is hard. It is hard. And I think it's interesting as well that you are still talking about your mum because, of course, in a way that, that is nice to remember when she was alive and have those stories yeah. when, you know, you're talking about the happiness of that. Yeah. My mum was such a huge part of my life I mean like I said I lived with her and I called her four times a day wow you were really close to your mum yeah (laughs) and my weekends because she was at home all week my weekends and my friends will attest to this were spent ferrying my mum around London to see her friends wow basically I mean she got it worked out I like the sound of this lady yeah that's what you want your kids to do yeah, yeah she was basically like you've had your week you've had five days wow the rest of it is mine so Uh, sometimes if I had no plans she'd call me we live in in Romford which is on the east side in Essex Uh, and for some inane reason a majority of my mum's friends live in Harrow which is in the west smiles away and she'd call me as I'm coming home from work she goes where are you I said I'm coming home from work and she goes right I'm in Stanmore when you get home get the car pick me up (laughs) I'm like that's my evening gone she's like yeah right. no that's what you're meant to do I'm like yeah okay fine (laughs) Um, and it was codependent. It was a codependent relationship. Yeah. I know that. But I loved it. Mm. So talking about mum, even when she was alive, I talk about my mum, the yeah. stuff that she did, because it was bonkers. Um, 
so now in, in her death, I'm talking about her, but how I talk about her and the tenses I use is still a huge thing that I'm trying to understand. Yeah. Well, it sounds like she was a massive part of your life. It wasn't yeah. because I think some people, obviously, obviously people are close, but it's, you know, it sounds like you had a very intense relationship with her. Yeah. So that is hard when that. Yeah. goes because yeah. you said codependent and then the thing you were leaning on isn't there so yeah. that is absolutely so when and in a sense my my and it's odd to admit this uh, my 29 years my, my social my social existence after my mum changed changed overnight because mm. like I said I called her four times a day my weekends were spent with her I'd take her you know I'd support grocery shopping her friends whatever else and I was happy to do that mm. when she passed my diary became empty. Wow. Uh, so for the first time you had sort of ownership over your time. I yeah, guess. yeah, I had yeah. ownership over my time and I was kind of like, I don't have to do this stuff anymore. Yeah. But I wish I could. Yeah. And you know, in three years, the people that I saw pretty much every single week, I've not seen them once. Wow, yeah. Because I've, you know, now I'm doing comedy and I'm all over the country, you know, doing this stuff. So the nature... I don't want to call it the nature of my existence because that makes it sound much more grand than it is, but the nature of my interactions with the people I had for 29 years has completely changed. Yeah. Um, there are family friends of mine who I've known since I was a baby who are getting married, and a lot of comedians will attest that they have to sacrifice going to weddings and stuff. Yeah. But also, you know, I was the guy that, with my mum, I choreographed the Bollywood dances that would take place at their <laughs> weddings. Um I'd be the guy that organises how the bride would come in and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Now I'm not doing any of that. Wow. Does it feel, like you said, do you miss it or do, there is, a, is, a, is it mixed? Is there a part of you that's like, actually it's quite nice to have my, to be completely independent? It's uh, incredibly nice to be completely independent. Yeah. And actually, when I think about it, it's nice that I don't do that stuff anymore because that's something I entirely associate with my mum. Yeah. Perhaps that's why you don't yeah, see them as well. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, perhaps I just feel too uncomfortable in those situations, yeah. um, which is why I don't do them anymore. But, yeah, the nature of everything I do now has completely changed. It doesn't surprise me that you've had such a massive career change then. Because, like you said, comedy, which, again, I guess if you don't know a comedian, it takes up everything. Oh, it takes yeah, up yeah. every evening and every weekend. Like, yeah. it's, it's all-consuming. And that's what I mean about like it's not a career; it's a pa it is. I mean, it's a cliche, but it is a passion yeah, because yeah, yeah. so much of it's unrewarding. Yeah, <laughs> like, and a madness. You have to kind of really like doing the gigs for no people to no money. <laughs> yeah, um, the other way around. So you couldn't, like you said, you could. There's no way you could have if you had having that relationship with her. There's no way you could have done stand up because it does require so much of you. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah. Do you feel like? Do you feel like your success has come in a way because you've been able to dedicate this? You obviously had a large chunk of time that was taken by your mum, and mm. that was able to be filled with comedy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I basically had nothing else. Yeah. Um, so, do you have that thing? Because I think I've got friends who found comedy after tragic incidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, for them, comedy becomes—it's like a religion. It's like their love. It's—it really means something. It's not just like, oh yeah, I do comedy. It's like it—it—it it, it helped me when I was really low. Yeah. Do you feel like that? About Absolutely. It? So, yeah. so now comedy and I have a codependent relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Even in a similar kind of vein with my mum, I would begrudgingly go to places. Yeah. Just to perform comedy to, as you say, five people, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, whereas I did a couple of weeks ago to six people in Brighton in the hottest room on the planet where one man <laughs> fainted oh no and uh, a very important person to my Edinburgh run oh. was in the room and uh, her feedback afterwards was you need a new structure new jokes and possibly a new director but don't worry you've got seven weeks so I was like okay then oh my god so so yeah, that's that's the kind of that's the joy of comedy guys. <laughs> that's the joy of comedy guys yeah. so um yeah absolutely I I am able to look success is so objective yeah yeah objective you don't really know but i know that things are going pretty well for me so far mm. and i'm happy with the progress i'm making and i know that a big part of it is simply because i have time yeah that has been afforded to me by my mom's passing yeah and it doesn't make you know it doesn't make you not sad or like no. not heartbroken it's yeah. just like the practicalities of someone dying yeah my dad was a really big character 
huge. <laughs> like, yeah. I always, the only way I can think is like, you just knew he was in the room. Right, yeah. And when he died, I def, I've, it's, there was a, a bit of guilt because I always feel like we all breathed a bit more. Just right, because there was yeah. a bit more room. Yep, yep, yep. And that doesn't mean we weren't sad. Of course we were sad and of course we were heartbroken. But we, I definitely, like saying, my mum definitely kind of sort of came out of her shell and blew because suddenly there wasn't this huge presence. And it's it's a hard um, it's a hard feeling because I think there is a bit of guilt of like, oh, am I... Yeah. It's not like, I've, not like I'm happy about it. It's just things happen when someone isn't there. Yeah. Just practically. Yeah. I mean, there's... In my home, there is less shouting and fewer arguments. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah. And that's There's the truth. There's so much less shouting. Yeah. And Definitely. The, the less shouting, the fewer arguments. You know, listeners might think that sounds like a fraught, unhappy household. No, no. But it just wasn't. It was just my oh. mum's character was her default was to shout her instructions. <laughs> her, that, that was her default. She had. Yeah. And you had to kind of be like, mum, you're really loud. Yeah. I, I, so my my house is kind of the sixth house down the road from from the junction. Right. I remember coming coming out of the station, walking, getting to the junction. I could hear my mum screaming at my brother. Wow. She was that loud <laughs> at the end of the street. And I came outside, came home and I said, Mum, I could hear you from the corner of the street. Yeah. She's like, don't you start as well. <laughs> They're going to hear as well. Like, right, okay, right. What's happened? Oh, he hasn't hoovered or something. You know, right, something yeah. ludicrous like that. So, yeah, it's it's weird. People will think, when they hear, when they hear this and when I speak to my friends and say, because of my mum not being here, I'm able to do comedy, mm. it's less shouty, there's fewer arguments. They might think that sounds like a bad relationship. Yeah, yeah. But it just wasn't. Yeah. It, that's just her characteristic. It's hard to explain, I think, if your parent was a character. Yeah. <laughs> because, it, yeah, I know what you mean. I had, got, I'm, I had a difficult relationship with my dad, but, yeah, the way we communicated was shouting, yeah. swearing, um, yeah, just a lot of an argu- arguing, a lot yeah. of arguing, yeah. and a lot of like literally just walking off, being like, "Oh fuck you!" Yeah, but that didn't mean we had a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, "Oh yeah, we just we well, we were just talking about who was doing the washing up." Like, yeah. that, that was... and that's why uh, you may recall when I talked about what happened to my mum. Mm. One of the most uh, memorable moments was that I recalled not having an argument with her yeah, of in Costco on the way yeah. back, and it's such a weird, vivid memory to have. Yeah that I just didn't argue with her and I don't know why. Mm. Um, and it, it was always from a place of love, but the fact that I always remember that to other people might seem absolutely ridiculous. Mm. But uh, it's a big part of... And actually, I do... I do weirdly, you, you never realise the things you miss. I, I, I really do miss my mum calling me. Yeah. And even though there were times where I was like, okay, you're calling me seven times in two minutes, <laughs> it's too much. Not seeing her come up on my phone, which is where I remember seeing her yeah. a lot, is something I find very difficult. And I just recently changed my phone and it picked up my old contacts and it put my mum back in my favourites again, which I had deleted. Oh, God, oh, phone. <laughs> You've done something phone. brave. Yeah. And then I was like, actually, I quite... Yeah. I like seeing the letters M-U-M yeah. when I open the contacts list. Yeah, it's it nice. It gives me something. I don't know what, but it gives me something. And it's just weird that I missed that because at the time I was like, she's doing my nutting. Yeah. And I don't know what she's going to call me about. <laughs> I like I, To give you a sense of the, how mad she was, I, um, I used to, you know, my first job I was in private banking, which is a very kind of, it's a very posh, quiet place. Yeah. Uh, in the heart of Mayfair, we shared a wall with Claridge's. Wow. And the guy, my colleague, a guy called Hugo, of course his name was Hugo. Of course, yeah. His great granddad designed the England Scotland Railway. He went to Eton himself. Like, okay. that's the kind of stock we're talking about. I'm in the room with you. You're in you. the room. I got you. Right. <laughs> Mahogany tables, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Anyway, I get a phone call on my mobile phone. My mum is scree- literally <laughs> screaming down. The and I put the volume down, 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 down. Quick, down. quick, quick. She's screaming, screaming, screaming. I obviously look a bit shell shocked by the conversation, <laughs> put the mobile phone down. And Hugo says to me, who was that? And I said, oh, it's, it's, my, it's my girlfriend. Or, <laughs> you know, she's, she's upset about something. And he was like, okay, we know it's your mother. Uh, and uh, what's the, what, what, why is the Ayatollah unhappy now? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so my mum earned the nickname Ayatollah. Oh I went God. home a few days later, you know, and I said, mum, you do realise at work, because of the way you shout at me on the phone, they call you the Ayatollah. My mum said, oh, I quite like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mum, she didn't, he didn't say it in a good way. Of course you did. She was like, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm the be afraid. Yeah. Be afraid, everybody. And then when he, because my colleagues, Hugo, Paul, and Emily, they came to my house for dinner. Aww. The day after, my boss, Paul, was invited by the Queen to St. James's Palace for a private dinner because oh he was the guy in line to look after her bank account at Coots wow. & Co. My mum was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's coming to a three-bed semi in Chadwell Heath the day after he went to St. James's Palace. <laughs> but Paul was very kind. She met Hugo. Uh, Hugo said, ah, oh, hello, Mrs. Akbar, pleasure to meet you. And my mum said, no, I think you've got a proper title for me. And Hugo looked at me. He's like, are you serious? I think you need to... He said... Ayatollah? And she goes, wonderful, thank you very much. And I was just like, what is this? This is this woman is mad. And she's my mum. I don't, okay. She sounds awesome. She was mental. She sounds brilliant. Yeah. She sounds really brilliant. She was great. Oh, Ishan, thank you so much for coming in to talk to me about your very brilliant mum. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. You can follow Ishan on Twitter at Ishan Akbar. And he's heading up to Edinburgh this year with his new show, profit like it's hot which he's currently previewing around the country so do have a look at his website to see where he's gigging and where you can see him you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the griefcast or email us thegriefcast at gmail.com music is provided by the glue ensemble you can buy their album if you head to their website thegluensemble.com and the show is produced by kate holland and remember you are not alone <laughs>